0: Welcome to episode 39 of The Jared White Show, recorded August 28th, 2019. I'm your host, Jared White, and I invite you to join me in a curated celebration of the art form that is the web. I hopped on to Hacker News this morning, as is my want. It's a popular site for nerds and geeks and computer programmers and all those sorts of folks if you haven't been to news.ycombinator.com then you apparently are not a computer geek in which case why are you listening to this podcast <laughs> oh boy uh yeah there was a a bit of a uh, hullabaloo going on there there's always something there's always something going on but Uh, Today, a popular internet blogger, popular pundit, Ben Thompson, over at Stratechery, he wrote an article called Privacy Fundamentalism. And in this article, he talked about an experiment that Farhad Manju over at the New York Times uh, ran, this experiment about uh, using a a sort of specially prepared version of Firefox with a special add-on that would... Sort of do a whole bunch of extra reporting around all the tracking going on on the web. So, uh, so Farhad visited all kinds of different websites and then uh, did all this extra reporting around what kind of tracking is going on on all these sites and how people's uh, privacy online may be invaded on a regular basis in ways they don't fully expect. And what got Ben Thompson all butthurt hurt here is that Stratechery was in the article as one of the sites that, while not uh, over, <laughs> while not a uh, completely over the top like some sites, that nevertheless did some tracking. And Ben Thompson takes Farhad to task on this and goes in this whole elaborate. Uh, Somewhat of a tirade around how all this privacy hoopla and hysteria is is overblown and is causing problems instead of just solving them, and he you know goes into examples like you know well I have Google Analytics on my site and I don't use it to track anyone with advertising I just want to see who's reading different articles and I'm just using a typekit from Adobe to serve fonts and blah 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 I'm using Stripe for payments blah blah blah. And, you know, this got me thinking about something. Uh, I, I really disagreed with this article, but I don't want to get so much into debating specific points here with Ben Thompson. Uh, what I do want to talk about is, is this idea that websites need to do all these different things to work properly and to work for the business, to make the online business successful. And you, as the visitor of the website, just need to go along with it. Stop complaining, stop getting all upset about all these scripts that load and about all these third-party services that get installed onto the site and hence into your web browser in many cases. You know, just stop getting so upset about it. You know, this is, this is part of what it means to be on the web in the year 2019. And the problem with this is people who run websites and look, I'm a web designer. I run websites. I work for a living building websites for people. <laughs> this is what I do. But here's the thing as the operator of a website, I'm asking you, as the visitor to that website, to run my code. Yes, that's right. I'm asking you to run my code. I'm asking you to take your computer your phone, your tablet, whatever it is. I'm asking you to take your personal property, your personal computing resources, and I'm asking you to run my code. And the thing is, you, as the person who is being asked, can easily refuse. You can say, no, I don't want to run your code. Now, the most, you know, Blatant example of this is just refusing to install an app or refusing to visit a website at all. So, you know, right off the bat, you can just refuse. You don't have to go to Facebook.com. You don't have to install the Instagram app on your iPhone. You don't. You have control over the code that you run on your devices. And to the extent that companies take away that control, to the extent that uh, companies basically force you to run code on your devices against your will, I'm opposed to that. And, you know, this gets down to to very uh, a lot of edge cases and semantics quickly, and, you know, you could easily end up over in the camp of someone like Richard Stallman, who refuses to run any code on any device he has that isn't fully open source and free software, which means everything has to be you know, using the, the GPL license or something like that. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not gonna go down that path. What The point I'm trying to make here is you as the user need to feel empowered to have some measure of control over the code that you run on your computer. And every time you go to a website, you are indeed running code. I mean that's just that's just the <laughs> that's just the basics of it. When you go to a website, that website is providing human readable and machine executable code to your web browser. And you can, you know, open up the hood to a certain extent and inspect what is coming down the wire. You know, you can go into your web developer tools and see the HTML that is getting served to you. You can see all the CSS style sheets, you can see the JavaScript files. You know, maybe the JavaScript files are pretty obfuscated and it's hard to see exactly what's going on, but, uh, you know, there are tools to, to what's the word, deobfuscate or, or unobfuscate the code. <laughs> so you can inspect that JavaScript code that is getting sent to your web browser from any website you visit. And I believe this is a fundamental right of you as a web user, that you get to inspect the code that is sent to you. And furthermore, I believe you have the right to reject some of that code. So if a website serves you, you know, a bunch of extra tracking scripts and you don't want to run those tracking scripts when you visit the site, you should have the right to block those scripts. You should have the right to say, no, I don't want to execute this code on my computer. And now the website operator could say, well, if you're not going to execute all of the code I send to you, then I don't want you to visit my site. I'm going to put up some kind of, you know, blocker page or or message or paywall kind of thing and, and force you to either show all my ads and load all my trackers or, or pay me a subscription or whatever. And that's fine. As the website operator, you have that right. You totally have that right. You can say, I won't let you access my content unless you run all the code. But See, this is a good thing. This means that instead of making implicit assumptions that people are just going to execute whatever and website operators can send users whatever they want, instead we are turning this into an explicit arrangement. I can choose to, you know, allow those trackers to get run and to see those ads if I want to view content on a site without paying for it. Or I can say, yes, I do want to pay for the content on this site. Uh, Please deliver that experience to me. And this is good thing. This is this is awesome. This is a healthy step forward for the web. This means that people are shown choices. They're they're given options, and they can make choices based on those options. So I, I'm really disheartened to see articles like this this privacy fundamentalism article from Ben Thompson at Stratechery, Because this this is this thinking is going backwards. It's saying. We, as website operators, want to be able to run all this different stuff for reasons that we think are good, and you as the user should just take it, and you should just accept it, and you shouldn't complain, and, (laughs) you know, uh, trust me that I'm using these things for good reasons, you know, I'm using using Google Analytics for good reasons, I'm using Stripe Payments for good reasons, I'm using Typekit fonts from Adobe for good reasons, and and listen, they, they probably are all good reasons but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the reasons that a website operator is using third-party resources like that and trying to install a bunch of extra code on a user's computer, whether those reasons are good or bad is irrelevant. Users should have the control to say yes or to say no to these things. And a lot of people are saying no. A lot of people out there are installing ad blockers and, and content blockers and, and blocking tracking scripts and all these things, and you know sometimes, quote-unquote, good things get caught in those nets. I mean, maybe a content blocker will be too aggressive and will block fonts and will block payment processing and will block a bunch of stuff, and the site will kind of break. Well, okay, so the site will break, and the user can decide, hmm, this site isn't working. I really want it to work. Maybe I will temporarily disable my content blocker and see if it works. And maybe then it will. And I do that all the time. I go to sites and something seems broken and I think, hmm, do I want to disable my tracking blockers for this site? Uh, yeah, maybe not. This isn't that important. I'll move on. Or yeah, I will disable it temporarily to see if the site works because I really want to work. And if, you know, if they do some extra tracking stuff and I see some ads today, eh, whatever, it's fine again we are giving users control here and that should be paramount it should always be the user at the front of the experience when it comes to the web and i would argue computing in general but especially the web you know even if the rules of engagement are a little bit different maybe with native apps you know you could argue that you should be able to, uh, you know, go download apps to your computer, and they can do whatever they want, and they have all this power, and and you don't want stuff to get locked down, and, you know, the, you can make arguments along those lines. But when it comes to the web, it has to be safety first. It has to be user first. It just has to. Otherwise, we get into just just unbelievably terrible (laughs) Uh, worlds of of pain here when it comes to privacy and security. And, you know, back in the day, you had things like ActiveX, where Microsoft was literally saying, we're going to run a bunch of basically like Windows native (laughs) executable code on web pages because it'll allow all these cool interactive things to happen. And people said, "Okay, we'll try it. And people tried it and went, "Whoa, this is insane! This is turning the web into just another <laughs> like Windows security nightmare." And you have to remember, like Windows was was so insecure in the late '90s, and just every day there was a new virus or malware or whatever. It was just unbelievably terrible. And so people rejected ActiveX because, you know, first of all, it was proprietary Microsoft technology, but second of all, it just fundamentally broke the the basic model of the web when it comes to privacy this idea that you know any code that you download on a website should be you know at heart uh, secure and hopefully should protect your privacy secure meaning that the website can't you know arbitrarily access files on your disk or you know run other programs on your computer outside the web browser or whatever so so yeah for a long time the web has had a good security model. But it hasn't had the best privacy model. And that's the other shoe to drop now. People are saying, hey, when we go to websites, we don't just want our basic computer security to be enforced. We also want basic privacy policies to be enforced. And that's what we're seeing. So anyway, that's that's my rant for today. Uh, As someone who runs websites and builds websites, I know full well all the hassles of dealing with sites that might break or look funky or whatever because things aren't going to always run well on other people's browsers. But that's just the price of doing business online these days, and I accept that. I I gladly accept the extra hassle as a website operator in exchange for being a website user that has a much greater expectation of, of websites honoring my privacy. So that was today's main topic. And for a bonus topic, uh, the rumors are coming thick and fast about the next uh, Canon EOS camera, the 90D, uh, as a successor to the 80D. Now, the camera I've been using for a while now is the Canon 77D. Which is more of an entry-level camera, but it still does a lot of cool things. And the videos I've been posting online have been, uh, you know, pretty good quality. I would say I feel like I've gotten good output from that camera. Um, but I'd love something with higher resolution. You know, particularly with video, the, the jump from 1080p to 4K is pretty significant. And uh, that's what's really cool about the the EOS 90D. Um, The the leaked specs indicate that it will support 4K video, and not only that, but it won't have a crop factor. Uh, Some of the cameras that Canon and and others have put out, when they add 4K to the camera, it it crops the sensor so that the 4K video you get is, is basically a lot more zoomed in than what you would get if you were doing regular video or photo with that camera and that lens combo. Um, but with no crop factor, basically, you know, switching from 1080p to 4k shouldn't make a difference. So that is really cool. I'm not on the market for a new camera right now, but I could definitely see in a few months wanting to upgrade to something a little bit more robust than the 770. and this 90D is looking really nice. Uh, so I'm excited about that. However, Something else I'm really excited about, even though it's beyond my budget, (laughs) but not too far beyond my budget, which is what really blows my mind, Uh, Blackmagic, the folks who do the the really awesome app uh, DaVinci Resolve for professional Hollywood-grade video editing and and color grading. and and It's pretty much a total competitor now to Adobe Premiere or Final Cut Pro. DaVinci Resolve can do pretty much any of the things that you would imagine wanting to do in a professional video editor. And they're making cameras now, too. Uh, The Pocket Cinema camera line is is really taking off. And they've had one for a while that can do 4K video, uh, but it used the, uh, what is it, the the MFT lens mount, which is basically like a mirrorless camera style lens mount. Uh, And they've had that for a while now, and it's gotten great reviews but they just announced the Pocket Cinema Camera 6K, and it uses the EF lens mount. That is Canon's EOS line lens mount. So if I got this Pocket Cinema Camera 6K, I could use all of the same lenses that I already have with my Canon camera line and use it with this really impressive 6K video camera. Now, the the list price is, I believe, like, 2400, something like that. So the, so this isn't inexpensive, but at the same time, the, the kind of quality you get, like basically shooting raw video that you can use in, in a professional Hollywood-style uh, video pipeline, uh, getting that kind of quality and getting compatibility with your lens line that you already have uh, in this whole package that is still friendly enough to be used by you know the prosumer market, uh, and at a price point that's you know well under the many tens of thousands of dollars you might have expected to pay in the past for this quality of camera, uh, it's really something. So I, I think uh, you know as nice as it is to see companies like Canon uh, improving their Prosumer line, I feel like in the next few years uh, companies like Blackmagic are, are just going to blow everything wide open, and we're going to see kind of a shift, I would say. I think that the people that are primarily photographers and do a little bit with video, uh, they may just fully switch to mirrorless cameras and, and you know, the DSLR market will, will shrink. And on the other hand, people that primarily do video YouTubers and so forth, uh, they will probably use more dedicated video-specific cameras like the Pocket Cinema camera. Uh, And then there's, of course, the people that will just use their their iPhones and Samsung and Google, Pixel, whatever. And uh, and that's fine, too. Those kinds of devices are getting better and better with every release. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there doing uh, perfectly passable online video uh, with just their smartphones. Uh, so yeah, the it, it's a it's a very uh, interesting market right now. A lot of a lot of churn, a lot of innovation, a lot of change in the in the camera market, uh, and it's it's fun to see. I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure if I will get the 90D in the near term or end up deciding to to save my shekels and wait to get something like the the pocket cinema camera 6K. It's a it's a, it's a tough choice. We'll, we'll see what happens. All right. That's all the time I have for today. Thanks for tuning in once again to The Jared White Show. As always, you can go to jaredwhite.com slash podcast to hear this and other episodes, as well as subscribe to my email newsletter, which has a name. It's called Mark Up This. And, <laughs> you know, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I, I, I always... Uh, almost get it wrong and say mark this up which (laughs) sounds like it could get obscene pretty quickly so it's not mark this up it's mark up this with an exclamation point so so that's the email newsletter i send it out roughly once a week and uh, i always write something unique to the newsletter or at least i try to so it's not exactly the same content as you would get just by reading my blog or watching videos or or the podcast or whatever, it's always a little bit extra. So I think it's fun. I, I like subscribing to, to fun email newsletters. And if you do too, please go to jaredwhite.com and sign up for Mark Up This. That's it for today. Thank you once again, and I will see you next time. Bye. He's so cool and he's also my daddy, Jared White Jerry Jared White Show.